0: Welcome to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Amon, a collaborative podcast with Pass It On Network. This program is brought to you by all of community services. Seniors deserve to have a fulfilling life with dignity and respect. But as we transition into our elderhood years, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much needed answers to your questions. Now, here is Phyllis Amon.
1: Welcome to Senior Straight Talk, presenting informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. I'm Phyllis Eamon, your host. This show, which began in September of 2019, was formerly known as Voices for Elder Care Advocacy, and the library of all of the episodes can be found on the Voice America Empowerment Channel under the name Seniors Straight Talk, and they can be downloaded on popular podcast platforms. The show is now syndicated as well on the Voice America Influencers Channel, so please remember to like, click, and share the episodes. For those listeners who are in what I call SOS mode, stressed, overwhelmed, and stretched, watch out for my free caregiver distress recovery challenge, helping caregivers find a path to bringing much-needed self-care into their daily routine. It features empathy, my registered trademark, which is also the basis of a self-care commitment letter and teaches strategies from my proprietary framework for self-care, self-kindness, self-compassion, and self-forgiveness. Strategies that will surely help you feel recharged and re-energized as you face life's challenges. Family members considering taking on the role of caregiver or those just beginning the caregiver journey can find valuable information in my course, A Caregiving Guide for Caregivers, The Basics. It will be available once again in the near future on a new platform. My latest book, Dignity and Respect, Are Our Aging Parents Getting What They Deserve? is available on Amazon in both paperback and ebook formats. The book addresses critical information about how we care for and treat our elder citizens in our families, our communities, in nursing homes and assisted living residences across the country. I'm honored that Bill Thomas wrote the foreword for the book, so I hope you'll purchase a copy and encourage your friends, family, and colleagues to do the same. I'm also looking forward to an audio version of the book sometime in the future. I appreciate your support and hope you'll spread the word on this all-important topic. Senior Straight Talk is proud of the collaborative partnership with the Pass It On Network a global peer learning network for positive aging advocates and a member of the United Nations open-ended working group on aging. Senior Straight Talk and the Pass It On Network continue bringing listeners informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. And now I'd like to introduce today's guest. For 40 years, he's been studying consumer behavior and trends. First, as an advertising executive on Madison Avenue, and then as an interactive marketing pioneer, and for the last 20 years as a futurist and the nation's leading authority on boomer consumers. He's advised companies and organizations around the globe, including Walmart, Google, AARP, Procter & Gamble, Verizon, and the Social Security Administration. And he's delivered memorable keynote addresses at national conferences and company events across dozens of industry sectors. You may have seen him providing commentary on NBC Nightly News, CBS Evening News, CNN, CNBC, and PBS. And he's appeared in articles in the New York Times, Washington Post, Los Angeles Times, and countless magazines. A serial entrepreneur, he left his think tank and consulting to create and build a new type of community of smaller homes for middle income boomers at this stage of their life called Cozy Home Community. He's addressing the largely unmet need of affordable housing and community living that encourages social connections with neighbors helping neighbors. You can find more information about these communities at CozyHomeCommunity.com. He's also launched the Openly Gray Movement, a nonprofit fighting age discrimination by encouraging older adults themselves to change how they think, feel, and act about growing older. Change our attitude, change the culture around aging. I'd like to welcome Matt Thornhill to Senior Straight Talk and encourage all listeners to join the movement at openlygray.org. Thanks so much, Matt, for agreeing to be here with me today. I know we just met recently and we had such a great conversation around The issues around getting older and how people view other people who are older and how people view themselves. And you reached out to me and I was so thrilled because I found out about this wonderful nonprofit that you're starting. And I wanted to have you on the podcast so we could talk about it and share it with listeners. I'm so excited about it.
0: I'm delighted to be here, Phyllis. I'm looking forward to it.
1: So tell us about your your nonprofit called Openly Gray with an R. I think it's such an ingenious title. So tell me how you came up with that and uh, what you envision with this nonprofit.
0: Uh, Well, thanks. I I can't claim, um, you know, coming up with the name myself. There's a movement that's been out there for several years among mostly middle-aged and older women who have decided to stop coloring their hair. And they say that they're openly gray. I'd never heard the expression, but when I heard it, I thought about it and said, wait a second, that's not really about hair color. I mean, it is literally for them, but can't that have a broader meaning? Can't that be a broader platform? And so I decided to name the nonprofit openly gray because to me, first off, it's not about hair color. It's not about what's on your head at all. It's about what's in your head. It's about a mindset. Right. And we believe at Openly Gray that older adults need to embrace how, uh, sorry, Ah. sorry, I messed that up. I didn't. That's
1: quite, no, that's, listen, it's a conversation. We all stumble in conversations. It's all
0: good. what i was going to say is it's a, it's a mindset that older adults need to embrace this mindset of being openly gray because if they embrace that mindset we're going to change how they think and feel and act about being old and if we change how their attitudes are about being older we're going to change the culture around people being older because the first kind of audience for changing the the culture around ageism are older adults themselves
1: i agree a hundred percent. And, um, you know, as we know, uh, there's a new book that just came out, uh, written by Becca Levy, mm-hmm. that talks about the effect of ageism on older people themselves. And this is, it's a lifelong process that I don't think people realize it's so much a part of our culture that from the time we're young we're always hear, hearing the word old or when you're 30 you're older over the hill or you know whatever it is I mean we could we could you know get into some of the expressions that people say right um, that by the time you yourself are in your 60s or 70s or 80s now you refer you, that, that idea of old is now weighing on you and affects your own outlook, I believe, right? And and what you're willing sure. to do and engage in. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you think about it, it's really odd because when we're young, we uh, automatically view th- people who are older than us to be more experienced and have more wisdom. And, you know, you're in fifth grade and they're in ninth grade. Oh, my gosh, they so, know so much more than me. But somewhere along the line, that that shifts. Older people are no longer seen as superior. And I think it's probably when you reach early adulthood, maybe in your mid to late 20s, and you think you've got it all figured out because you're kind of finished with schooling and you're ready to kind of tackle the, the world. And you look at older adults that you know then and go, gosh, they're not keeping up with popular culture. They're not keeping up with technology. You know, they're falling behind because they're, quote, older. They're no longer superior." Right. Think about ourselves, Phyllis. Do you, you and I probably were of that generation where in the 70s and 80s, when VCRs came out, we were the ones who had to go help our parents reset the VCR <laughs> every time the power went out. Because our older parents couldn't handle it, couldn't, right. couldn't it up. But you know, as the decades pass, as you get to be 30, 40, 50, 60, you start to realize that maybe you don't have it all figured out right people 15 or 20 years older than you have got wisdom and experience and ingenuity that maybe you don't have quite yet so i'm i'm 62 now and i fully appreciate that there's a lot i can learn from people who are 15 20 30 years older than me uh, and i'm not done yet so why should i think that they're done yet i agree 100% so uh, it's
1: interesting you said that about learning and learning from older people so uh, the other day, I went for a manicure and my, uh, the person that I get my manicures from, I, I've known him now about six or seven years, maybe longer than that. And we were talking and I said that next week I'm going to a kind of a workshop which you say it's kind of like a mastermind. It's a two day submersion, really submersion into um, learning about marketing, presentation, speaking, and a variety of with a with a, a pretty well-known person. And his comment to me was, Why are you doing that? Why do you need to learn anything else? And I I was <laughs> he's in his 50s, and I was just so surprised to hear him say that because that tells me a lot about his mindset, right? He thinks that you get to a certain point and you're learning ability, or capacity, or interest in learning is capped. And I think that's what keeps us from being vibrant, from keeps us from being interesting, right?
0: Yeah, there's definitely a a mindset out there that, uh, you know, you're done. And, And we preach that for decades here in America, you, you've retired 65, and you step aside, Right. You step to the sideline, you get on the porch, and you drink your iced tea, and you watch the world go by. Right. Um, but the openly gray mindset are, is not for those people who want to do that. And it, and and if there are people that want to do that still, that's fine. But I would say that the vast majority of us boomers who are getting to this stage of life have decided, well, we're not we're not done yet. We're not fully baked. We've still got things to do, and 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 differences to make. Absolutely. And it's funny, my career prior to starting Openly Gray was, I, I was in the advertising business, studying consumer behavior. And, and because of my age, I was studying boomer consumer behavior for most of my life. Uh, but about 20 years ago, I started a consulting practice called the Boomer Project to study boomers at 50 and beyond. Because in marketing in advertising world, we always focused on young people. 18 to 49 is the golden demographic. Correct. And once you're 50, we we didn't care about you. We, I mean, maybe to sell you Geritol. <laughs> you know, we didn't pay much attention to people over 50. And by the late 90s, boomers were starting to turn 50. I had friends who were starting to turn 50, and it's like, well, they're not done. And they're certainly not old people or older people, they're older than me, but they're not they're not done. So I started a, a, a consulting practice to help open up people's eyes to to the boomer consumer I ended up writing a book and I ended up the the practice ended up taking off because we were in the right place at the right time we got hired by Walmart by Google by Hershey's Hershey's called us up once Phyllis and said we think people over 50 still eat chocolate <laughs> And we're like really Yes, they <laughs> probably do so this interest in understanding that segment started about 20 years ago and and it was interesting to watch that happen and this now that we're in our, in our mid 60s and in the third quarter of life maybe even entering the fourth quarter of life we're not at the two minute warning to use a football analogy we've still got a quarter of our life left to go and and this demographic shift means that we're going to have more older people more people over 65 in america by 2030 than we've ever had before and and that that shift is happening now that transition is happening over the next 10 years and I, I started to see signs of the impact of it in just recent years, because it's the boomers who are getting to the stage, and boomers have transformed every stage of life. We've looked at how our parents did things and said, oh, yeah, we're not doing it that way.
1: Correct. Um, I mean, we, we, we were the change movement, right, from the time of the 60s. Uh, the statistics, as you probably know, <laughs> that uh, the U.S. Census Bureau has said, that by the year 2035 the over 65 population is going to outnumber the under 18 population
0: yeah yeah it's going to be about one in five people will be over 65 in america um up from about one in in seven people maybe in the year 2000 so in 30 years there's a big transition taking place and it doesn't end with with boomers that gen xers are coming millennials are coming We're just going to have more older adults than as a country from now on. And globally, it's happening. It's this aging thing is happening uh, everywhere.
1: Well, the United Nations um, has declared this the decade of healthy aging. And I think this is the 11th or 12th year that they had this open ended working group on aging. That they took up because they recognize that the demographic around the world is increasing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's,
1: so, I mean, the a, older demographic, right.
0: It's the first time in human history that we've had kind of this, uh, uh, instead of a population age pyramid where we have a lot of younger people and few people make it to age 85 mm-hmm. and beyond, we're going to have a like an op, almost a uh, maybe the Empire State Building is a better metaphor. We're going to have equal numbers of every age. And until we get to 85 and beyond, it'll start to, to get smaller. But the interesting thing is the, one of the impacts of this culturally has been a, a growth in just the last handful of years of these anti-ageism efforts. And those anti-ageism efforts are really important because they're pointing out what's ageist behavior. Because right. it, it's the last ism that's socially acceptable and culturally acceptable. And so as boomers have reached this stage of life, they're going like, wait a second, it's not so much funny anymore to make fun of older adults when we're the older adults. Right. But the interesting thing for me, and this is the reason I I wanted to start Openly Gray, is that the anti-ageism effort, which I support and think needs to happen, it really comes at this issue from one perspective, which is to to stamp out ageist behavior. But it comes at it as, as combative. It comes across as essentially argumentative almost like a manifesto, it's it's essentially negative. You stop doing that. And it's us shouting at them. You are behaving wrong. You need to stop. Uh, and it's about the problem and it's rooted in aging. And I looked at all of that and said, okay, that's important. We got to point out the bad behavior, but what are we doing to maybe be affirming and positive about growing older? What are we doing to celebrate it? What are we doing to- to make it positive and make it a mindset change among us. Right. But we make it about us, not about them. It's not what you're doing wrong. It's like, what are we doing? What can we do to help this situation? And let's not make it about the problem. Let's make it about the promise of all these more older adults, these extra older adults we've never had before in the world. We're, they're a resource. You know, growing Absolutely. older was not a burden. It's a blessing. I agree. So that's, and, and it's rooted in this demographic shift. It's not rooted in aging. It's rooted in, we're going to have more older adults. How, how do we use them? How do we inspire them? How do we, How do we engage them? So Openly Gray was to basically say, hey, let's put a banner up. Not unlike the Openly Gay effort did back in the 80s, which is let's come out of the closet. Let's accept who we are. Let's proclaim who we are. We're older adults. And then let's go make a difference in the world.
1: I love it. But just to go back for one minute, uh, you mentioned the book that you wrote about boomers and boomers. And I want you to just have an opportunity to mention the book, uh, the title of the book, uh, because I think this is so important. It obviously resonated with, um, I'll say, Madison Avenue, so to speak, because you can see this in ads, right? On television, in print media, uh, that that there are more ads that are focused on that generation, right? And the older person, I, I call them the mature adult, right? Sure,
0: sure. Yeah. So what was the name of the book? It was called Boomer Consumer. And in it, we shared 10 new rules for marketing to older adults. And, and we looked at it from a marketing and messaging standpoint. I'll give you an example. Uh, older adults respond much better to uh, an emotional pitch than they do to a rational pitch. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You can, you can fact them to death, but they're not going to make the decision based on, on the facts. They're going to make the decision based on how you make them feel. Mm. So, Interesting. You know, They've, they've had enough life experiences to kind of know what works for them and what doesn't work for them. And a brand or a company or an organization that can say, I understand where you are in life and I understand how this product is gonna make you feel is much more important to them than than the rational facts. So it's, it's filled with stuff like that that's essentially timeless. I mean, the book was written 15 years ago now. Right. But, the things in it are fairly timeless in terms of of how you should be reaching and communicating. I'll get another example: is uh, younger people want not just the facts; they want the the you know black and white. They want the the very defined things. But the older we get, the more the more we realize the answer tends to be in the middle, correct, or, or in the gray areas. To to use the gray metaphor, uh, you know the answer is always it depends. Right. And I I remember we used to do research. uh, My research company before did a lot of research in the medical profession. And when you would try to ask doctors questions on surveys and you would give them yes, no answer, uh, you know, choices, they didn't like that because the answer was always, it depends. Right. Correct. Patient depends on the condition. It depends on this. Well, as you get older, you realize that that's really the answer to everything. It's not black and white. It's all it depends. So when you come out and you're very assertive and saying, this is exactly what we've got and this is it, and there it is, if there's no kind of wiggle room, you're not going to get a response from an older consumer because they're just not going to believe you.
1: Right. So I, I, I recall Maya Angelou who said, people don't remember necessarily, well, I'm paraphrasing, right. people don't necessarily remember what you say, they remember how you make them feel.
0: Right.
1: So and that's, that's right in line with that, Right.
0: Yeah, it's very much true in marketing with, with older adults. And it's funny in the senior living category, they, they like to, to share in their marketing the, the facts. You know, we've got, uh, you know, a lovely apartment or, or
1: <laughs>
0: you know, suite you can live in. We have uh, restaurant style meals. We have a swimming pool. We have gym and yoga classes. And it's like, those are all the things. Correct. How am I going to feel when I live there? Aha, well, I think
1: that's very interesting. Maybe that's something we can explore a little bit in the second segment, because I think the marketing for senior living and for nursing homes, which is my space, as listeners probably know by now, I've worked in over 50 nursing homes, so they are still selling amenities. There's something in the nursing home industry called the chandelier effect, where they create these beautiful lobbies and most people go uh, the first place they enter in is the short-term rehabilitation because they come from the hospital and these units are usually beautified and they provide amenities and services but that's not necessarily what the environment is so more and more i think people are realizing that that's just window dressing right
0: sure, sure.
1: and and window dressing doesn't sustain itself. That's just a short term, something you use to attract people. But it's, I think more and more that people need to talk about and address, how is how are you going to feel in this environment? What is your experience going to be so that you feel fulfilled, that you feel happier, that you feel connected? I think those are the, the, the ways people need to approach Potential, I'll call them customers. As I say, it's a business, and every business needs customers. And I don't think people think of themselves that way. In the, right. well, we're getting a l- little adrift here, but uh, I don't think people think of themselves as customers in senior living or in in the nursing home space because they feel like they need care or they need to move into a place or their family right. needs to transition right. them. But the reality is, it is a business, and every business needs customers. So it's about The customer experience. And maybe you and I could talk about a little bit more of that in the second half. So we'll be right back with Matt Thornhill having this phenomenal conversation about ageism and um, being openly gray and proclaiming yourself and in embracing yourself as an older adult. So we'll be right back on Senior Straight Talk. Welcome back to Senior Straight Talk. I'm here with Matt Thornhill who started this wonderful nonprofit called Openly Gray. And we were talking about the fact that older adults should embrace a mindset that, that, that embraces their, whatever year they're in, whatever decade they're in. So um, Matt, how would people go about demonstrating that they have embraced this mindset or are there things that they can do to help them on that journey, because if they're not there now, how do they get there?
0: Yeah, it's funny, one of the things that that uh, happened with me that made me say, this is gonna work, is uh, I looked and, and found when I heard the expression, again, it was used in the context of women who were looking for support about going openly gray, and dealing with the fact that their friends who were still coloring their hairs would say to them, <gasps> oh, you're letting yourself go. (laughs) Ageist thing to say. And they didn't mean it in that way. But, you know, it's just what our culture, a requirement of our culture or a standard of our culture, who knows. But uh, I I decided to buy a couple of openly gray t-shirts, which I now sell at openlygray.org. But but I um, just found some generic ones online and started wearing them to see if I could elicit responses from people. They can't tell in the, listening to the audio, but I'm gray haired at 62. Um, And it's been surprising the times and places I wear it, the number of comments and conversations I get into with people. Uh, I had a guy at an airport recently who said, you know, love your shirt. And he, he pointed to his head and said, I'm openly bald. And I said, and you're loving life because it's a mindset, right? And he goes, yeah, yeah. So Anyway, so th- the answer to the question about kind of practical things people can do is I-, I have two things, just an easy two things to do that you need to stop doing. And one thing maybe you need to start doing and the-, the stop doing is stop saying things like, you know, oh, I'm having a senior moment. Right. Because people at every age have trouble recalling something in the heat of a conversation. It's, it's normal. Uh, you know, we have those blips. And my suggestion is just a couple of other things to say, instead of saying that to say, maybe, you know, hold on, hold on. I'm buffering because we can all relate to that or, or wait a second. The file is still uploading. (laughs) I like that one. So just anything that basically says, you know, give me a second to collect my thoughts, but not labeling it a senior moment, because that's not helping us. That's not helping anybody.
1: I, I agree. As a matter of fact, so you and I had a little bit of uh when we had our first conversation, uh, we talk about this a little bit. So um, I'm just going to, since you mentioned this senior moment, right? So um, I have a couple of others and we could either talk about how those can be reworded or if we've heard people say them or refer to themselves this way or other people and and how we can um, dispel some of the the, attitudes that go along with these statements so as a matter of fact in my book dignity and respect the chapter that talks about this is uh, entitled are you an old fart or a spring chicken because both of those are ageist expressions right people right. refer to older men especially as maybe an old fart and say oh you know what he's as spry as a spring chicken which still refers to the person's age right
0: yeah definitely
1: And so then there's, um, you know, I get this. So you're 62, I'm 69. And people say, oh, you look great for your age. I'd love to know what that really means. What am I supposed to look like at 69?
0: Well, that's probably the most insidious and innocent, at the same time, (laughs) comment that people use all the time about older adults that you would never use that reference for example they'll say you know she looks good for her age or right he's in great shape for his age or she can really dance well for her age or right. he's so talented at her age now let me change instead of for for her age and tell me if this is acceptable she looks good for a black woman right right. he's in great shape for a hispanic <laughs> right, right, she can really dance well for a lesbian I <laughs> would never say any of those things. Correct. And if somebody said it, the dirty looks they would get. Right. So if you're using the term at her age or his age as, as any kind of qualifier, first stop. But second, if someone says it to you, you need to look horrified at them and say, <laughs> I'm sorry, what did you just say? Right. And challenge them. There's, there's no reason for us to not just stop people dead in their tracks, that, that innocent comment. Oh my gosh, I can't believe he can still do that at his age. Right.
1: So I just had one a, a few hours ago, uh, The she's in her early fifties and she was having a hot flash because she's going through changes. And I think she said something like, uh, like, yeah, at my age, um, you know, I'm ha I'm having that, uh, you know, a hot flash at my age. And I said, how about this? How about, um you know, at this state and at this stage of my life or at this stage of my life, I'm just experiencing a different, um, you know, a different um, temperature response or, you know, that's a little wordy. I forgot what I told her exactly, but I dispelled what she said immediately. And she said, oh, you know, I never thought about it. I said, what do you mean at your age? First of all, uh, there are people who go through changes in their 30s. It's premature, but it is a reality. There are people who go through it at their 40s. So, how about just gee? At this stage, I'm I'm just having some temperature transitions or something. She said, "Oh, you know, I I hadn't thought about this. So this is this is a particular phrase that I uh, have issue with, which is the silver tsunami. And tsunami has such a negative connotation, and the con- the you know the reference is there'll be so many older people. It's like a tsunami. But that that has such a a negative, a negative connotation or the graying of America. I'm sure you, you've heard that.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it, it's interesting that the, the other isms, racism or, or um, transphobic or any of those things, are about us, uh, uh, about people othering others. Correct. And, and with ageism, it's not others we're othering, it's our future self. Co- correct. So it's just kind of silly that we do that.
1: Right. So it's interesting that you say that about our future selves, because I used to refer to our future selves and I had heard the expression several years ago and I liked it. I embraced it. And then I started thinking about that and started thinking that that's really we can't really we don't really think of our future self in in, uh, in that way. For instance, I do an exercise when I do presentations and I ask people to vision envision themselves in the future, five, 10, 15 years down the road. And it doesn't matter what age people are. So maybe somebody who's 25 or 30, do you envision yourself with a family or a house? Whatever that is, whatever it looks like to anybody. And then I ask them, well, do you, picture yourself as an older person in that picture? And the answer is no, right? right. Yeah. And I also think that talking about our future selves is the antithesis of mindfulness. Because if you're present and active, you're not thinking about the future, right? So if we embrace where we are, right? Embrace of ourselves as what I call now evolving elders, right? We're, we're on this journey and we're going to evolve but it's an active process that lives inside of us so it's not something outside of us that maybe we can't really relate to Does that make sense?
0: Yeah and you know and it's it's tough it's um, it's one of those things that like you said it's, in, it's been a part of our culture for a hundred years at least you know I when I started openly gray I looked into uh, Eastern cultures where they have a long 25 year, maybe 5,000 year history of respecting elders. And it was, uh, I did research on it and discovered it was all rooted in the teachings of Confucius. Correct. Who said, you know, you need to be obedient and subservient to your elders. Correct. And if you think of an Eastern culture, the wise old man is up in a mountain and you go up to him. He's not put away in a home someplace <laughs> at the peak. <laughs> okay. and you have to go to the peak to get his right. wisdom. So that was that was it for you know, 5,000 years. Now in the last 100 years, it's changed. It's, there's no kind of obedience and subservience from mm. young people to older adults. The best you can get today is kindness and courtesy is young people will give that to older adults in, in Eastern cultures like Korea, Japan, China, and such. We don't even have that. No, no, we, we don't disdain and disregard for older adults. So we got some work to do. But um, I just found that kind of interesting to to know how far afield we were from Eastern cultures.
1: So, uh, absolutely. So I was uh, telling you that a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to arrange a little um, meeting with a group of colleagues and Bill Thomas, and um, he said something that I hadn't heard him say before. I, I've had many conversations with him, but it really s- struck with the people uh, that were in that that meeting, people of all ages. And what he said was uh, that we should think of ourselves and others as aging magnificently. That that we are where we are. Where. At any point in time, our face is the way it's supposed to be at that point in time. We are who we are at that important point in time. And the idea is to embrace that. And uh, they really uh, they really took to that. And they talk about this was several weeks ago. And they talk about, oh, you know what? I'm aging magnificently. And I mentioned to you that a a blog a couple of weeks ago, I, I was at a conference and this woman who was hosting the event a very, very beautiful woman stood up and made opening remarks and and referred to herself as being old in some way. I don't remember if it was her glasses or whatever it was. And and I spoke to her afterwards and I told her about this idea about embracing who she was and what age she was. And then I told her about aging magnificently and the change in her posture and her facial expression. It, It was dramatic. She loved it. And this woman who was nearby, listening to the conversation, said, I'm going home and telling the family that I'm aging magnificently. So I think if we could get people, like you say, to embrace who they are, where they are, when they are, I think this could do, I mean, it could make a tremendous difference in who they are. And then hopefully that will transcend to, to people outside of themselves to see them differently.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree, but I have a caveat. Okay. So l- let me go back and ca- recharacterize what I was talking about Eastern culture versus uh, Western. Eastern culture views older adults still as superior in some way, shape or form, maybe less so than they used to. We view older adults as diminished. Correct. So we got to change that culture. And one way to change that culture is if we as older adults don't act diminished. Now, the reality is, so aging magnificently is one way to kind of claim it in that way. But the reality is, is some of us will age poorly. Correct. We have a tough time, and it will not be magnificent. It will be a slow, slow, you know, long slog to death. Because if I'm not aging, I'm dying. So there's there's that aspect of it. So we we can't sugarcoat it too much and say everybody who grows older is going to have a lovely time. It's going to suck for some of them. You know?
1: <laughs> I agree. So I was on a, uh, a radio show. Well, I, I recorded for a radio show a few weeks ago. And the woman asked me about that very thing. And her mother has Parkinson's. And uh, she asked me about other people who are in a state of decline, let's say. And how would I encourage them to think of themselves positively or think of the aging experience when they have these conditions, right? And how could they think of it positively? So I said, well, it's in a way, we have to look at what our abilities are and not our disabilities, right? So it's no different than somebody who loses all of their ability. I I read an article in The Plane when I was traveling several weeks ago, and it was about this guy who always wanted to climb, I forgot what peak it was. I think it was in Venezuela. It was in South America someplace. And he became a paraplegic. And he, as a result, uh, created a nonprofit called, I think... uh, Wheels Around the World, and got together with a few friends. And they found a way to get him to climb this peak. And now he has this nonprofit around the world. And he's arranged a number of trips for people who have a variety of, I don't want to say disabilities, a variety of abilities that are limited. So I said to her, well, this person is still with their family, they could still share their wisdom, they could still hug and cherish them. And have those times and if we could shift that instead of saying oh isn't that terrible what they've lost or what I've lost can other people do it at other ages we should be able to possibly hopefully do this when we're older what do you think about that
0: yeah I mean we got to stop talking about people's limits and talk about their potential correct Stephen Hawking was still working on you know brilliant uh, world defining physics work up until he died Correct. He had a lot of limitations, but we focus on his potential, his possibilities. Absolutely. So, so one so- of the things that I, I tell people to do, you know, I told them what they need to stop doing is saying things like I'm having a senior moment. They stop right. saying things like, you know, at her age. One of the things you need to start doing is is maybe being, you know, proud and vocal about your age. Stop being ashamed at how old you are. I mean I- I remember when I was 15, I would tell those 12-year-old punks down the street, hey, I'm 15. Right. You know? So I tell those 55-year-olds today, hey, I'm 62. I've got stuff figured out that you don't have figured out yet. And in other words, we can't let other people define what our age means. We, we have to do it. And you may have heard the expression that's been going around now, ever since boomers started getting to the stage of life that, you know, 60 is the new 40.
1: Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> but
0: that, that's wrong. 60 is the new 60. We're I agree. What it means to be. And my example, I always give is Bruce Springsteen is 72. And he still sells out everywhere he goes. Right, right. So he's redefining what it means to be 72 and, and a rock star.
1: I agree, 150%. When I was, uh, so I'm 69. And when people say what age, even if they don't ask me what age I am, I say, oh, by the way, I'm 69 and I'm proud of it. Um, So I guess, was it six? Yeah, I guess it's about uh, nine years ago. So I I took up ballroom dancing. And uh, there was a woman, now maybe it was about eight, doesn't matter. uh, She was 10 years my senior at the time. And she had taken up um, Argentine tango just a couple of years prior and um, maybe a year or two prior. So I was about 60 and she was 70 and she had just taken up Argentine tango and she was a beautiful, beautiful dancer and she became my inspiration. So, I mean, you can do anything at any age, as long as you're capable and able bodied and you know, cognitively able to, but why not embrace the concept that you want to age as healthfully and happily and uh, gracefully as possible at a younger age and start incorporating ways of living, ways of whether it's eating or health habits or whatever it is at a younger age to ensure that your longevity is such that you are aging as healthfully and happily and gracefully as possible. I think that's part of what we need to do as well. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think that that's an a, a overall goal that the healthcare system should be doing, you know, as opposed to focusing on sick care, we should definitely right. be doing well care and encouraging people to live healthfully at every age. Um, you know, the child obesity is not a good thing. Young adult obesity, not a good thing. And certainly you're not going to make it to old age if you don't take care of yourself. Um, but there's, you know, there there are people who have diminished abilities, uh, but that doesn't mean they have diminished potential.
1: Correct. Absolutely. So um, I, I believe that that, you know, is, is, I say integral to the greenhouse project, the Eden alternative, all of that that Bill Thomas created is what are people's potential. So a few years ago, I spoke with a, a fellow who was a um, a coordinator for a large uh, company in California that owned, I think it was about 70 nursing homes, and he had just such a fantastic mindset and approach. And some of the programs that he had, I thought were fantastic. And it just spoke to that very thing. So he would have, I don't remember if it was once a month or a couple of times a month, he would have some of the people go to homeless shelters and help prepare and serve food. And he had um, a pet program where they adopted dogs and helped care for the dog until the dog was able to be adopted right dogs who maybe were rescued Uh, but what he said at the time which I never forgot was listen somebody couldn't be very impaired let's say on one side of their body but they could still maybe scoop macaroni and cheese on a plate or right Mm -hmm. help shred lettuce or help just serve somebody a plate and what a difference it makes in both people's lives to be able to do that. And I thought that was tremendous.
0: Yeah, having a life of purpose in some way, shape or form can, will contribute to a longer life for sure. I mean, one of my big beefs with the senior living industry, especially those that are the ones that operate the, the communities where you can come into independent living and go to assisted living and eventually into the skilled nursing or the memory care if, if needed is the intake process is them telling you about what they can do for you, right? They never ask the, or say to the mother or the father with the adult child sitting there saying, you know, this might be a good place for my mother. They never say to the mother or the father, well, uh, what difference do you think you're going to make in our community? Right. What role can you play in our community? Because they're not, they're not valued. Right. I I agree. They're seen as patients, not residents, not citizens.
1: I, I agree. And uh, it's just what I, I said earlier about uh, describing the amenities and what they offer. But what are they what are they saying about how this environment is going to make this person feel as well. Are you going to be happy here? Are you going to feel part of this community? Are you going to feel that you have a purpose here? And it goes along with the question that you just mentioned, what are you going to contribute to help in that for yourself and for the rest of the community? I think that's what's sorely missing.
0: Yeah, 100% missing, as you say.
1: (laughs) So on that note, I think we're uh, coming to the end of Today's episode on Senior Straight Talk. Thanks so much, Matt. This has just been absolutely terrific. I hope people will go to openlygray.org and support it every which way they can. Uh, you want to tell us how they can support it and what they can do to promote it?
0: Well, right right now we're just trying to uh, rally the troops, trying to find people with the openly gray mindset. So you can go and raise your hand and say, "Yes, I'm interested in being a member." There's no cost to being a member. And they uh, actually, you know, in this viral world of social media, use the hashtag openly gray.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Gray. And I, um, I
0: and, and go, go sorry, go ahead. Because they share your stories of how you're living the openly gray mindset. I,
1: I love that. And um, my blog this week, uh, which is, um, are you are you think of yourself as aging or getting older i i put a link to openlygrade.org. so i hope people will read the blog and share it and and go to the uh, website and contribute every which way they can so thanks again matt this has been absolutely terrific and i'm sure we'll we'll continue this conversation at a later date as well
0: thank you too Phyllis. my pleasure
1: so this is a senior straight talk sponsored by active pure technology. I hope you'll listen again next time for more informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. This is Phyllis Amon signing off. So please remember to like, click and share the episodes. And until next time, stay safe, stay well, and stay tuned.
0: Thank you for listening to Senior Straight Talk. Join your host, Phyllis Amon, again soon for another episode on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or your favorite podcast platforms.